Welcome back. So my guest today, Marissa Schmidt, is a seasoned product management leader who has worked with companies like Bay Networks, Nortel, Citrix, and that's where we actually met. And we talk about how a successful sales professional is a person that effectively leverages resources. And leveraging your product team is one of many resources that can help you raise your game. So Marissa shares examples of what she has seen from top reps some of their behaviors, their habits. In fact, she worked closely with one of my earlier guests, Klaus Strand, who was back-to-back a number one rep. So you can go back to episode two to hear that original interview. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. Well, Marissa, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, I am excited. Uh, right now, we're recording this with a couple weeks to go till uh, Christmas and the holidays. So looking forward to maybe taking a couple days off. Only a couple of days. Well, sales well, you know. sales team can't afford to take a couple of days off at the end of the year. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Why? Well, uh, this is the first time in like a really long time where I'm working for a company where our fiscal year is not the end of the calendar year, and it is. I mean, it's still end of quarter. That hasn't changed, but it it, it makes a big difference in the mindset of how you feel during the holidays. I, Dad's maybe relaxed by like ten percent. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Marissa, let's uh, let's jump into it. So you are a little bit of a different guest than my typical sales guest, but you've had an incredible career in product management, working for some really big names like uh, Bay Networks, Nortel. I assume you probably went into Nortel from Bay Networks. You were at Citrix for 10, 12 years, which is where we met. How did you decide to get into that product management space? Oh, uh, good question. Um First, I got into the technology uh, as an engineering major, um, and I had a curiosity in computers, and and the networking course was like the best for me. I love learning about the protocols and, and how computers talk to each other. Then I realized as an engineer that we get our guidance from product managers. So I'm like, okay, I want to be a product manager. <laughs> So I, so I got my master's um, and because you really need, need to have a business acumen and, and focusing in both the uh, networking part as well as the business part. And that's what got me into product management roles. And, and you know, it's been the most exciting thing because I got to talk to customers globally. Uh, I've been in 35 countries, um, wow. spoken to 25 of those countries. And, and really highlight what are, are the capabilities we have, the market trends and so forth. And I've understood all the different segments of the market. We even uh, created a new market in a country that didn't even exist. They didn't even know how to spell Citrix at that time. And that was the South Korea market. So 
it's an exciting thing where, where you can make a huge impact. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Marissa, we didn't really talk about this, but you know, I, you and I have both been now in the networking industry for a long time. And for better or for worse, it's it's you know, there's just mostly males that are working in that business. And you know, you you've moved a pretty high level within the product management organizations that you've been with. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, you know, what's it like to be one of the few, if not like the only female in the room uh, when working on whatever product plans or strategies you're working on? Yeah, very good question. Um, it definitely requires toughness, um, to say the least, and, and perception alone is quite tough and, and conscious bias and what engineers should look like and not look like comes to play. And so I had to make sure I get in there from a technical aspect and really just focus on on that part and not uh and, and really lean in. And that's what I had to learn as well, because everybody has as an engineer, as a PM, I have their ego, right? And yeah. I had to and as uh, for me, I didn't grow up with that kind of uh and then especially with sales, they also have bigger egos. <laughs> um but I never heard that before. <laughs> But I I learned to stand my ground and stay strong and really focus on data. And that's how I really got through all of the different uh, management from the leaders, from from the sales, uh, from customers, all of it. Because you get that unconscious bias by itself. And because they, they always think I'm the marketing person in the room. <laughs> oh, interesting. God, that is definitely kind of categorizing it. Well, you know, you you bring up an interesting point that regardless whether you're male or female, I think removing some of the emotion that always creeps into what we do within business and try to focus on the reality of the data, um, sometimes that can lead to much better decisions than when you're letting emotion, emotions drive your decision-making process. Right. Yes, absolutely. So I focus a lot on data. Like my when I built the team from scratch and making sure that we are taking all the RFEs, uh, requests for enhancement from the field is based on data, yeah. based on uh, the business case, as well as the the needs in the market in every region and, and making sure we have data behind it. And we have telemetry dashboard that we look to see how much is that feature is being used in all different areas. And is that really in the hyperscaler or in the enterprise uh, customers. And we create that dashboard to make sure that uh, it's based on when we're making the decisions based on that data. Well, let's say you mentioned uh, RFE, so request for enhancement. So you work directly with many customers, obviously, but also um, salespeople will engage you quite a bit. And I imagine if you had a dollar for every feature request that a salesperson said, hey, Marissa, if we have this feature, we can win the deal. I'm sure if you had done you know, every single one of those and had a dollar for every one, you'd probably be loaded at this point. You may not be working, right? Yeah, I would be retired and golfing in all different places by now. <laughs> so, you know, but the reality is you have to make tough decisions. So as, you know, as a, and this is why I was excited to have you on because it's, you know, it's like the other side of the table, right? So as a sales team engages with the product team, you know, what have you seen from some of the top reps? You know, how are they, what are they doing to really, help enable and drive product management? Yeah, very good question. Uh, Actually, you had some of the guest speakers in your podcast that are like the top sales rep that I had to work with through the years. 
right? Um, and I work with many sales globally, and I can tell you that what the top sales rep, where they differentiate are three things. Uh, really, they know how to engage and leverage product management when they need for roadmaps, et cetera. Even when not needed for, for roadmap is for relationship building, whether at a sports game or just doing lunches or flying to Seattle just to meet and greet. They leverage us to the, you know, as much as they can. Meaning they would leverage you, even if there's not a, a product discussion, they leverage you for the relationship piece, sometimes bring you yes. in. Yes. Okay. Yes. To a point where, because you know that uh, when big deals happen, it's really based on relationship. So if they are, they feel comfortable with the product team that is, you know, they're about to buy millions, right? Then they want to make sure that they can feel comfortable and and have that roadmap discussion directly with product management and your top sales reps, the ones that's been in your um, calls, uh, really know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And they follow up. And the uh, number two is they follow up in every details and action items from their customer meetings. It's it's one of the to a point where, oh my gosh, I know he's going to go after me after this meeting because <laughs> I know that they want this feature and they're going to want me to do it as soon as possible. I mean, it's like you already know offhand, like who's going to go after me after, after those uh, meetings, but it is what drives them the leveraging PM, following up on the details, you know, and at the end working closely with with product teams and engineers so they know how to win they always know to go to pm and then get with engineering and and that's their best approach and and when you know what when the sales rep of the years announced i'm not actually surprised who got them yeah because yeah. it's usually the one that bothers me and my team <laughs> in a regular basis but in a good way they're constantly right. in contact with PM. Um, so I've never seen a sales rep that won and I've, and I didn't know that person. So that is, that's such a great point right there. I mean, think about what she just said, right? You know, when was the last time there's been a salesperson of the year and the product management leader didn't know who they were, right? Right. I want to break in with this quick commercial from me. I am very excited to announce that we have our first multifamily real estate deal for the year. This is a really nice boutique 88 unit complex in Tempe, Arizona, which is an incredibly strong submarket of the Phoenix area. And we are partnered with my friend Reed and his company at the RSN Group. They're the the ones that found the deal. And they also have another asset uh, very close by this particular property. Investment spots on this one, they're going to fill up quickly because it is also structured to accept 1031 exchanges. And there's a number of exchanges out there right now looking for a home. So if you're interested, just contact us through hightechfreedom.com or you could book a call using the link in the show notes. And even if you just want to learn a little bit more about the investing process, let's chat. I'm happy to share and follow up with some educational resources. Now back to the show. I want to go back on a couple of things you said. So you talked about the, you know, the inserting you and building that relationship with the customer. 
any opinion on the levels of where because you're you were VP, right? So any any opinions on the level of where you ideally want to be inserted, type of customer title, responsibility? No, um, actually, the ones that actually do the work, I want to connect with them the most because they are the one that really touches NetScaler in a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. And so they're the one that can really give me input on what's happening and how, uh, what's working and not working on the product. And then I, that's when I engage the rest of the PMs, um, to make sure that they, they know the feedback, right? Um, so I don't get to be in every one of those conversations, but at least I know who to, um, divide and provide that information to, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, for the, you know, for the field salesperson or even the field sales SE, you mentioned earlier, um, you'll receive quite a few requests for enhancements. It's one thing to submit some type of request for enhancement or some feature request. And it's the field saying, we need this. But when you come back around and instead of you saying it, you're putting the product manager, the product leader in front of the customer team. And you know maybe they're going into a deeper explanation of why. And maybe it actually kind of opens up the eyes of product management to say, look, we didn't, yeah, we don't see the revenue on this one, but now we understand there's something bigger here that maybe the customer is just not clearly articulating, but now we can see it from a market perspective. That is, that's, that's that feedback loop that sometimes I don't think the field team often really understands when they're engaging with people like you. Yeah. I mean, the, this is what, uh, so sales rep, you know, sometimes they just give a list of features that their customers want, but they don't know why the customer wanted them. And, and so this is why I always ask for, to prioritize, first of all, on those features. Um, but there's top five and what's the business case. And then I actually want to connect with the customer and the, the PMs to make sure that we understand exactly the use case. Cause imagine. We, we get that's built in the product and it's not what they really want, which I've seen as well in the past. Um, so I want to make sure that if we're going to spend the investment and the engineers resources that we're creating the right features. Yeah. I love it. Well, so I think there's some great advice there. So let's, um, let's move on. So thinking about the career, right? So you've had a long, successful career. And if you had the opportunity to maybe to go back to your the early Marissa or maybe somebody that is earlier in their career, maybe even maybe a sales or technical sales engineer that's looking to make the jump to product management, what advice would you give them as they're getting started? Good question. It, product man- management requires not only the technical ac- acumen, but also the business side. So I had a product manager actually that I hired two plus years ago and he was a Netscaler engineer and, and he asked me to be his mentor and what he needs to do to be a PM. All of a sudden, he went to go get his master's degree and, and BA. And, and then he, he asked me again two years later and I hired him and he's been in my group for two plus years and, I'm, and he's been amazing at it because um, he has the technical acumen and the business um, all in one. And that's really what uh, my advice for all technical engineers or sales, technical sales that want to be in PM is having both of that. Because um, that help you as you prioritize features and, and you're talking to analysts, you're talking to the industry. Um, yeah. 
Well, that's very it's very similar to what we talk about at the field level when uh, you know we can get really excited about some feature functionality or all the 50 things that our product can do. But none of it matters if we can't connect it back to the business, maybe the economics of what the company's trying to do. Yeah. Maybe some other service that they're trying to roll out that we might be able to enable or protect or, or whatever. So it's definitely connect. It's always comes down to the business piece. I mean, yeah, that's why we're here. Yeah. And, you know, with you, with, um, with Citrix new CEO, I mean, you guys are going to need all the data because he's all data, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. VC as a VC uh, owned company now. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, Marissa. So as we get close to wrapping up here, you know, on the personal front, so I saw that you wrote a book. Yes. <laughs> what, what's that? I didn't, I didn't read it. What's it about? Really, it's just my journey, um, journey, uh, you know, from Philippines uh, to, to Silicon Valley. And a lot of people wanted to know how that happened. And so I, I, it was partly was for my mother to showcase how her uh, resilience um, as a mom uh, taking me from Philippines to here and so forth. And then, then it became a woman in tech. And so then it, you know, it's just a chapter about my life, but it became um, uh, very focused on how I got to Sil- Silicon Valley. Then the TEDx youth organization found that chapter or through coworkers, I think. So then I was recommended to be a speaker for their um, theme of being a catalyst uh, for their next generation. And so that, that, you know, in itself was also amazing that uh, I would be able to help some of these um, youth based on being a woman in tech and what I learned and so forth. And so, yeah, it says from a book to a TED talk speaker. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so awesome. It's, um, you know, it's exciting. So, you know, my daughter, she's, she's very into kind of more the the math and the sciences uh, side of her education. You know, I think she just does better when it's a, a black and white answer versus some maybe esoteric idea. And uh, so I'm kind of nudging her like, Hey, you know, it is pretty cool, but you know, we'll see where she goes with that. But it's um, I think when you can capture some of those younger audiences, get their attention, kind of open up their eyes. Um, I, there is a gentleman here in Oregon He's worked for Intel for a really long name. His, his name is Pradeep, mm-hmm. but he'd been leading the charge on whenever they did the uh, annual day of coding or annual month of coding, he would get together a bunch of people within the networking and IT space. And we would all go out to the different um, high schools and or even middle schools and really just uh, present on why IT is cool and kind of show them that all of the things that you could do that you don't know exist. And how they impact some of the things that they do day to day. So like translating it back to, hey, you play video games today, but look at all the cool jobs and all the cool things you could be doing that are tied to that video game. Mm-hmm. And it was such a it was such a cool initiative that he was really, and I think he's still doing it. I haven't talked to him in a while, but it was such a great way to give back and just expose that younger generation to some of the opportunities that are out there that if you don't know, you're not going to chase it. In fact, I just heard a quote today that uh, without a plan, yeah. Uh, every road will get you there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is why we do that, right? Um, as part of that um, TEDx talk is making sure that we can uh, give back to the community and um, help shape the next generation. That's important to me. So, so thank you. I love it. Well, last question for you. So what does freedom look like to you? 
Freedom. That was, that's a good one too. Uh, I guess being able to do whatever we want without worrying about, uh, money, without uh, having to just take a job just because you need to put, have something on the table, but to be able to take a job that is more meaningful to you and not worry about money. Yeah. I love it. If somebody would like to reach out to you, what's the best way to connect up? Uh, well, I also have LinkedIn, um, and, uh, that has all the information and they can reach out, connect and, um, and actually I'll send you the Ted talk link once it's available and that can be part of your podcast details too. So yeah, please do. And send the, send the book link to the book or the link, or the book title. We'll put that in the show notes with your, uh, LinkedIn, um, ID. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Marissa, really nice catching up. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. It was great. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.